Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of coming together this morning. Thank you that your truth uh, is life-giving. And thank you that you are a living and active God. Uh, And we pray that you will speak to us through your word, by your spirits this morning. That uh, whether we're familiar with uh, Christian things or or looking at uh, Christianity for the first time this morning, that we'll know the miracle of you Uh, speaking to us, being active in our lives. Please open our hearts to receive your message and open our wills uh, to to follow your message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd love you to begin by looking at uh, the passage and um, chapter uh, 6 of Matthew and verse uh, 25, there at the bottom of page 1429. Verse 25, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, as uh, sayings go, that uh, might make a lovely ditty to, to crochet on your uh, kitchen wall or whatever you, you do uh, to, for, for pleasure uh, in, in the evenings, but uh, is it just a phrase? At first glance, Jesus is saying something is unsurprising, but fairly underwhelming as well. Because worry, anxiety, is very commonplace. Uh, it's spoken about a million times a day, sung about as well. So don't worry. I'm not going to. Don't worry. I'm not going to sing the, these uh, songs. But uh, don't worry. Be happy. Uh, or dire straits. Why worry about uh, a thing? Or uh, Bob Marley. Don't worry about a thing. Or Disney. Hakuna Matata, worry-free philosophy. But uh, hold on. There are objections, aren't there, to to this phrase, I tell you, don't be anxious uh, about anything. Uh, There's a Bible uh, objection uh, in in the Bible text. There are things to worry about. And Jesus recognizes that right at the end of the text. He says, uh, tomorrow will uh, be anxious for itself. There are many troubles in each day. There's a Bible historical objection. Paul uh, worried about the Thessalonians. He says that. I'm worried uh, that you are continuing in in the the faith. There's a theological uh, objection as well. If we don't uh, uh, worry about anything, we just won't do anything. The only reason I get out of bed in the morning is because there are things to to do and to to, to worry about. God made us to, to work. Then there's a spiritual objection. Uh, The battle uh, is where Satan is prowling and wants to destroy. You should fear Satan and be worried about his tactics that want to to destroy you. And then there's a practical objection as well. There's a high prevalence, as we know, of mental illness, (coughs) stress, anxiety in Christians, as well as those who are not yet Christians. This is a live issue. Uh, to define uh, worry, it's to feel anxious or troubled about actual or potential problems. Here are tw- 12 signs of, of worry. To see if um, w- which of these signs you know about. Number one, excessive concern over everyday things. Sleep problems. Irrational fears. Muscle tension. Chronic indigestion. Stage fright. Self-consciousness, panic attacks, flashbacks, perfectionism, compulsive behavior, 
self-doubt. Now, if I ask my wife uh, where, where I scored on those, she'd probably say I scored on all of them. Uh, worry is a live issue, isn't it? Uh, we all know about that, and uh, uh, we, we recognise it's not good, but what is the solution? Just to say, don't worry about a thing? Well, no. The answer is actually in that verse. Because Jesus does not say, don't worry about anything, does he? Let's look more carefully at the verse. He actually says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Saying therefore, do not be anxious, is completely different from saying do not be anxious. Because the therefore says, in the light of what I've just said, don't be anxious. There is a reason, he, he says, that we can actually have a worry-free philosophy. But it's a reason not found in this world. It's a reason found in Jesus' teaching. And Jesus is saying, this is not, not just some, some self-help guru that I'm, I'm speaking as. No, I am the Lord of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. And therefore, when he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, we should listen. Because he, he knows about life. He knits us together in our mother's womb. So what is the therefore, therefore? What does Jesus say in the preceding verses that lead us to, to not worry uh, about uh, things? Well, two things that we should seek instead of, of worrying. Two uh, things that uh, he sums up at the end of the passage where he says, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And we're going to focus on those two uh, seeking uh, uh, treasures this, this morning. And the first one is seek the eternal kingdom treasure. In verses 19 to uh, 21, the first uh, section of our reading, Jesus teaches that worry depends on the treasure that you store up. He contrasts between storing up treasure on earth, you know, earthly things, material things that actually are going to fade away, and storing up treasure in heaven, eternal treasures, part of God's eternal kingdom. And both are described by Jesus as treasures. In, in other words, they're both valuable to us. But as securities go, these treasures are far from equally secure. And that's the point that Jesus makes. On earth, treasure stored up is a source of worry. It's a risk, as he says, of moth, of market devaluation, of HMRC taking it away. All sorts of risks are, are there with earthly treasure. But also, it's a source of futility. As uh, the book of Ecclesiastes uh, says, it's ultimately meaningless earthly treasure because it, we can't take it with us. And it will ultimately be passed on to someone else or destroyed. It's temporary and of no lasting value. Therefore, it's always there's a worry that there is going to be a loss at some stage in the future. But in heaven, treasure is not lost. Treasure uh, continues in, in um, Peter's first letter uh, to the churches. He talks about an inheritance of God's resurrection people that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And the remarkable truth that Jesus is saying here is that the treasure we should seek, we should seek treasure, 
but it's a treasure that contributes to, to, to heaven, to the new creation earth. Every day on this earth can be an investment in the earth to come. Every time I, I care for someone, every time I speak to someone about the Lord Jesus, every time I, I work with redemption at the heart of my work, I am bringing God's kingdom into uh, my workplace. I am seeking and forming treasure that will last for eternity. And that's, that's a wow moment, isn't it? And if I stop now and we just reflected on that, it's an incredible truth that we can sometimes just um, ignore. We can be so obsessed about earthly things that we forget that the, the brilliance of that, that value that we can create day by day. We invest uh, in three ways, I want to suggest. We invest in eternal treasure by serving other people. Jesus said, love one another. Build up treasure by, by serving, helping. As Paul puts it in, in Ephesians, we should seek to help everyone become the fullness of the likeness of Christ. So when I... Uh, challenge someone about their, uh, their lifestyle, when I encourage someone who is, is feeling uh, distressed, what am I doing? I'm helping them become more like Christ. Formation of Christ in each other, that is a way that we're building treasure that will last for eternity. Second, we can invest in eternal treasure by telling others the good news of salvation. Paul says, his crown and his joy his ultimate pleasure in life is seeing people uh, standing as Christians. That's what he says to the Thessalonians. I was anxious. I was worried uh, about you. And then I heard a report that you're still standing firm in the faith. And that you, he says, you are my crown. You're my joy. You're my treasure. Why? Because that's where his heart is, isn't it? That's what his desire is. Not for himself. He was in chains, all sorts of shipwreck and all sorts of suffering and challenge. And yet he said, whatever happens to me, I have this treasure. And I'm going to enjoy that for eternity. Thirdly, we invest in, in eternal treasure by working towards God's redemptive purposes. By bringing God's kingdom and righteousness into the workplace. By standing for truth in the workplace by caring for people, even when it's of no value to, to us to, to, to do that, by showing grace, by showing love and compassion, by bringing things that are in disorder into order. What's the first command in the Bible? Go and uh, be fruitful and multiply, subdue and rule the, the earth. That is part of the, the treasure God has ordained us to be creating. And do we get excited by that? When we bounce out of bed in the morning, well, when we get out of bed in, in, in the morning, are we thinking, yeah, today's a day I can dig for treasure and produce a treasure for, for the Lord uh, Jesus himself. So how does uh, that help us not to be anxious? Because we know this treasure will continue to have impact, not just on this earth, but in the earth to come. We know this treasure we cannot lose. And therefore it has a security that gives us joy and, and confidence. 
Because this treasure is also heart-building rather than heart-destroying. In verse 21, uh, Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. It's fascinating, isn't it? What we treasure, what we desire, is, is an indicator of our heart. Not as an indicator, it, it shows, it reveals our heart. And therefore, if, if our desire, our anxiety, what, what the pressures is inside is, is about this pay rise or about uh, this uh, particular thing I, I really want, uh, and this competitive advantage I want to, to gain uh, in, in my career or whatever it happens to, to, to be, if that's what's consuming us, then we should take a heart check and say, is my heart actually on, on God? Because when my heart is on seeking his kingdom, then my heart won't be full of anxiety. It'll be full of confidence, knowing God brings that. As he says, uh, uh, God himself, Jesus, uh, says at, at the end, uh, when you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. You can be confident. If you seek that, it will be added. So go for it. And uh, the other reason that uh, seeking treasure in heaven, storing up treasure in heaven, is uh, a way to remove anxiety is because it's not based on my performance. The reason that uh, things make us anxious is because a lot of things are out of our control. And therefore, we try and hold on to control, don't we? But the more we hold on, the more anxious we, we get about it being snatched from us. So we get tighter and tighter and more and more anxious. Jesus says, this treasure is in my control. Now, I'm the one, by my grace, who produces it. You're my co-workers, yes, work, but I actually bring the fruit. So work with joy, not with anxiety, but with joy. So what treasure are you seeking in 2020, in the year to come? Are you seeking the treasure of your uh, friends and colleagues coming to know the Lord Jesus? Is that your desire? Is that your heart desire day by day? Are you seeking the treasure of, of bringing God's redemptive purposes to this earth? Do you, do you know what that means in your context Think that through. Talk with your small group, with your friends about, about that. And are you seeking the, the treasure of serving the Lord, demonstrating grace through the way that you work day by day? So in order not to worry, uh, our first point is that uh, a Christian seeks eternal treasures. But uh, secondly, a Christian, in order not to worry, seeks righteous character. Because Jesus uh, says at the, at the end there, seek my kingdom, seek the kingdom of God, but also seek his righteousness. Verse 30, uh, 33 there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the second one is often the one that we can forget. And Jesus talks about that in verses 22 and 23. He contrasts healthy and unhealthy eyes. Just like he contrasts two types of treasure in those first verses, here he, he switches the analogy to eyes. Uh, the picture uh, Jesus is using is that the eye is a lamp. He explains that healthy eyes 
are like working headlights that light up the path that we should uh, go so that we know the way, clearly the, the way uh, for us to go. Because he says that the light coming through the eyes actually controls what then happens in the whole of our, our lives. When we know clearly the way to go, we will go in that way, and the, the result will be joy and uh, knowing God's, God's plans. But he says unhealthy eyes block that. They block God's ways, and they focus us down on self and ambitions that are self-orientated. And that's when, when we've got these calloused eyes and cannot see God's good, pleasing, and perfect ways, that the darkness comes, Jesus says, into our, our lives. And he uses uh, wording here, which is full of absolute contrast. He's not saying that sort of you can have a bit of light and a bit of darkness. No, he's saying uh, you either have light flooding into your, your life or your life can be full of uh, darkness and be destroyed, is, is what he's, he says. What uh, is the problem with unhealthy eyes? Well, unhealthy eyes grow not just darkness, but then negative thinking, discontent, and therefore worry. Secondly, uh, darkness brings deceit. It, uh, it's, it's full of lies rather than truth. And it constructs this web of lies and deceit. It uh, plays fast and loose to, to rules. And this web is constructed, but actually it's very fragile, isn't it? We know that, don't we? When we, we tell a lie, then we're worried, you know, how am I going to be able to keep it up? What if they find out? And then we added another lie to try and protect ourselves. And we have this, this huge web constructed, and then, boom, it, it blows up. Jesus is saying that's, that's what happens when we, we focus on darkness rather than light. And also darkness leads to impure actions. It, it breeds, therefore, guilt and shame. And that's where anxiety, uh, Jesus is saying, comes from. Now, um, I, uh, my grandma had uh, glaucoma, and she went blind. And uh, uh, therefore, I have to have every year a glaucoma test. I don't know if anybody else has had this. Uh, but it's a really extraordinary test. For the first time I, I had it done, uh, you basically stare into this uh, screen... And uh, the little red blob moves around the screen. And when you see a red blob, you have to press a button um, uh, so that you've seen it. And the first time I, I did the test, um, I you know, dutifully went through. And then they show you the results. And it showed there's a patch of my sight where I didn't see the red blob. And I said, well, the machine must be broken. Uh, so um, she did it again. And... Um, same, same results. So uh, she said, well, maybe you're tired. So uh, I had to come back the next day. And she did the test uh, again. And it was extraordinary to, to realize there's a patch of vision that I think I can see, but actually it's not there. My brain is filling it in, but it's not there. And that's what uh, Jesus says is happening in our culture. This disease in our culture is a blindness to God's ways and a replacement with darkness in, instead. And darkness is what we should call it. 
Uh, I started working in the city just to, across the river from here in the 1980s when greed is good was the Gordon Gecko uh, motto. And uh, it wasn't just a movie uh, motto. It was basically how we all, all worked. Well, some of us, um, at, at the time. And it was intoxicating. I mean, I, I remember that intoxicating feeling of uh, conspicuous consumption go- going on. But material success can do that, can't it? It can blind us to reality. It can make us into these ridiculous uh, characters. We think it's, it's normal, but actually it's far, far from, from God's normality. And what's the, the answer to, to, to this? Well, the answer is to look at the light. I was uh, interested in the um, latest issue of the Harvard Business Review. Uh, there's an article about a study uh, of business leaders. And basically what, what they've done in this study is they've um, looked at business regard for rules and uh, how that affects the way that the company then acts. And so they measured um, uh, a business leader's, so chief execs, um, parking fines, uh, speeding tickets, DUIs, and assault offences, and uh, measured, correlated that against the company's um, likelihood to to take um, bad corporate actions. And they say there's a strong correlation uh, between the two. Now, it's not surprising in a way, but it's actually quite scary, isn't it? You know, how, how often when we choose leaders for, for companies, are they chosen on their character? And how much is it on their, their ability to make uh, more money? The other thing that they did was they looked at uh, the propensity for materialism. And they measured that by measuring the, the way that chief execs are paid, so the sort of pay structures. And pay structures that are very uh, materialistic, uh, very sort of extravagant, are matched with companies that cut corners and companies that have much lower corporate social responsibility programs. Again, Jesus says this in in the Bible here, doesn't he? He says, look at your heart. And you can see your heart by the treasure that you store up, the actions that you take, not just the the treasure of kingdom treasure, but also the treasure of your character. So what's the the answer? Well, I I love the um, the story in uh, in, uh, Daniel of Nebuchadnezzar, who uh, was uh, the ultimate CEO. Uh, the ultimate eight is greed is, is good. He had everything. And he stands on the roof of his palace uh, one day, looks out, and he says, look at me, I'm king of the world. Uh, I've, I've achieved all of this. Aren't I amazing? And as he says that, he is struck down and becomes like an animal. He starts uh, crawling on all fours and uh, eating grass. And he remains like that until Daniel challenges him and he remembers some words from Daniel and, he, and the Bible just simply says, Nebuchadnezzar looks up and recognizes God again and instantly he is restored to, to full health and his kingdom is, is restored as well. And I love that. I love that all he does is look up. Like the parable of the prodigal son where what does the prodigal son do? He goes off and uh, he goes into the darkness, doesn't he? 
He, he conspicuously consumes, and when he's in need, what does he do? He looks back home. He says, I'll be better off home. He comes, Jesus says, to his senses. And Jesus says, seek that. Seek God's kingdom, but also seek God's righteousness. Look to him. Seek it. Seek to be more like God. Righteousness means, means being right with God. It means acting rightly towards others, acting rightly before God, following his good, pleasing, and perfect ways. We need to seek that, to learn about that day by day. In, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, begins by saying, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Wouldn't that be a, an amazing ambition uh, for 2020? I want to seek God. I want to know uh, more of God and therefore be pure in, in heart. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentions all sorts of ways that we need to uh, be challenged about our, our righteousness. So he says seeking righteousness means seeking to reconcile with adversaries. So if you take notes, that's chapter 5, verse 21 to 26, beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Then he, he turns to lust, and he says seeking God's righteousness means fleeing from lust and all forms of sex outside marriage. So deal with this. this. This matters. Seek God's righteousness in, in your sexual uh, behavior. And then uh, in verses 33 to 37, he says, seek to be true uh, to, to our word. Keep your promises. Again, that's part of being righteous. Being right with God is being true. Let your yes be yes and your no be, be no. Jesus' message is, is very simple. Don't be anxious, but seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. It's, it's simple, but, but the, the problem is we slip so easily, don't we? We slip from uh, that greater ambition into just the, the flood of the world that can just overpower us so easily. So what's the answer? Well, Jesus concludes this section of his sermon by a third contrast. We've had the contrast of light and dark and two types of treasure. And then he contrasts two masters that we can depend on. And he uses a really unusual word uh, at the end of verse 24. He, he talks about money, uh, but it's actually, um, the, the word is an Aramaic word uh, for wealth. And not just um, uh, any sort of money. But uh, the Aramaic word is, is basically about a wealth that you depend on. It's, it's the thing that you, you've put your whole life's investment in and you stand on as your security. And Jesus says that is the issue. Is what are you standing on? What are you putting your security in? What are you holding on to as the, the thing that gives you significance gives you security, gives you love and contentment. If it's money or something of, of this world, it will let you down. So Jesus says the answer isn't just to say, okay, I'm going to follow some rules in, in Matthew chapter 5 and, and be righteous. No, the answer is a heart change. The answer is who is going to be the object of your devotion 
Is it going to be the God who loves you? The God who brings forgiveness and renewal? Or is it going to be something that will always want more of you? Always unsatisfy you? Always uh, be transient? Jesus isn't against uh, money or wealth per se. He's against us standing on that, loving that instead of, of him. It's a, a little bit like um, uh, the illustration of if, if you were going rock climbing, uh, and uh, so if you're rock climbing, you're on a rock, aren't you? on, a, on a mountain, and you imagine I'm, I'm rock climbing, and uh, I get to the point where I've got a foothold foothold uh, here and, and here, and handholds here and here, and I'm secure on the mountain, but uh, there's no more handholds higher up. And actually, it's quite difficult to, to go down as, as, uh, again as well. So I, I can't move, but I'm secure. Am I secure at that point? People are saying no. Well, uh, uh, well I, I am in some ways, aren't I? Because I'm holding on. And, and the, the rock is holding me, isn't it? No. Uh, the rock isn't holding me, is it? Uh, it's an illusion. I think I'm secure in this, this position and it'll be fine. But actually, the rock isn't holding me. I'm clinging on to the rock. And gradually, I'll lose my grip. So it's an illusion of security. Now, imagine Prince William comes in his rescue helicopter, and he, he flies alongside, and he winches down and says, uh, Andrew, I'm here to rescue you, uh, like Arnie, and uh, uh, come with me if you want to live, or whatever, and uh, hold out your hand, and uh, take my hand, and I will bring you to, to safety. I've got to do something, haven't I? In order to, to get to safety, I've got to let go of the rock and hold on to, to Prince William. And that's what Jesus... In, in a word. Um, but that's what Jesus is saying. We're holding on to a rock that we think is holding us, but it's not, it's a rock. Hold on to the living Lord. Jesus says... I have come to give you life, life eternal. And I will do that through paying for your wrongdoing, through bringing you from death to life, from darkness to light. Hold on to me, seek me. And Jesus says, seek and you will find. It's not seeking, sort of desperately hunting for for God and uh, is he under the table or, or whatever, no. Simply look up. That's what seeking means in this context. Look up to the light. Seek God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness day by day. Andrew Murray uh, puts it like this. As one of his redeemed ones, you are his delight and all his desire is for you with the longing of a love which is stronger than death and which many waters cannot quench. His heart yearns after you, seeking your fellowship and your love. Were it needed, he could die again to possess you. As the Father loved the Son, so Jesus loves you. His life is bound up in yours. You are to him inexpressibly more indispensable and precious than you ever can know. You are one with himself. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. What a love. Seek that love. Allow that love to transform your heart. That should be our ambition in 2020. 
So what are we going to, to seek in 2020? Well, let, let's seek the eternal treasures of God. I'm just going to mention some of the things I've already said. And as I do, just uh, make a mental note. What of these are going to be the seeking ambitions of this coming year? In 2020, I will seek to serve others and help those I meet to become more like Jesus. In 2020, I will seek to tell my friends and colleagues the good news of salvation and help them come to know Jesus as their Lord. In 2020, I will, bring, I will seek to bring God's redemptive purposes to this earth in my work. And then as I seek righteousness, in 2020, I will seek to reconcile with adversaries and love my neighbors. In 2020, I will seek to flee from lust and all forms of sexual uh, immorality. In 2020, I will seek to be true to my word and keep my promises. Which of those is God burning into your heart right now? I wonder. Seek God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then with a pure heart, we will have a blessed 2020. That's my longing. And uh, as the, the psalmist uh, David says in Psalm 51, it's when we realize that we've fallen into the darkness. It's when we realize that our bones have been crushed, when it's, we realize that we're full of anxiety over things, uh, that God not just forgives, but also restores and I'm, we're going to go into a time of uh, communion in, in a few moments. And as we do, I'd love us to, to start, as we go into this new year, start with a time of confession. And start with a time of recognizing that we've not sought God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you may be uh, saying that for the very first time this morning. And if you are, fantastic. I'd love to speak to you afterwards. But all of us... Uh, our challenge is to seek God and to seek his, his forgiveness and restoration. So I'm going to read some words from Psalm 51. This is an opportunity for us to, to seek God's favor and his grace and forgiveness this morning. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, as we confess that we've not sought you with our hearts and our, our whole lives, that we can know forgiveness and, and restoration and help us to 
go into this new year recognizing that we need to seek you every day, every moment of the, the day. Seek your kingdom and seek that with our, our actions and then seek your righteousness. Seek that in our hearts and lives. So we pray, Father, that uh, you'll be the God who surrounds us with a knowledge of your light and your love, your truth, and that that would be our path day by day.